Guess what? SK Vibe Maker interviews are hotter. It's another one. My interviews are hotter. SK Vibe Maker today. I got a legend. I say a legend in the building with me, man. Is that all right for me to call you a legend, D? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, are you owning that legendary status? Well, if it's if the, if the, if the truth is, yeah. <laughs> Deneo, just in case you didn't know. So if someone comes down from the moon today yeah. and they want to kind of know about your history in this UK music and what you've done so far, how do you kind of break it down just for an introduction for new listeners? Just take them to a club and say, this happens every night, everywhere in the UK, at least once a night. Mon mm. Friday to Sunday, a club, every club in this country is playing one of my songs. It's a big talk, man. Yeah. That's massive. <laughs> what would you say are some of the key points in your career so far where you felt like, yeah, man, I've gone to a, like another level. I'm somewhere where everybody can't get to. I don't know if it's about, I don't really think about things about how other people can't get to places. I'm not really like self-centered like that. I've never mm -hmm. have been. I always like sharing, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? But every genre that I've been in or every, cause this is my sixth run. So Terry, the, She Belongs to the Night was the beginning of the new run. Mm -hmm. So all the five runs before that, and when I mean runs, I mean the grime, bassline, funky, deep house and hip hop and R&B. There's been pinnacle moments in each mm -hmm. scene for me. How would you summarize this run that you're in at the moment then? Some people might say, is he doing I'm a piano? Is he doing a kind of alternate thing? What is this run called for Deneo where you're at right now? I couldn't call it. The public have to call it. All, all I can tell you what I'm doing is the foundation of it is I'm a piano and funky. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, like, um, I'm working with a kid called Ikeno, mm -hmm. who's a bit more of a, he's like a younger version of me. Mm -hmm. So the music on top has got to mimic hip hop, certain melodies, certain soul, a certain mm -hmm. classicness to it. Mm -hmm. Then I've got another artist called Lily Casely, who's a pop act. Mm -hmm. So the music on top for her has to be more pop influenced and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So these artists that you're talking about signed to your label as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've yeah. got situation Records. with Defected at the moment. So no, I've, I've just signed, um, I'm in a good mood to Defected, to Defected. and Remedy and Remedy. Uh-huh. So you've got a couple of labels yourself. You've got Moving Anti, right? Is that yours too? Yeah, I was, so working, with, and I was working with um, Island. I'm not with them anymore, but mm -hmm. shouts out to Island. And um, we haven't renewed the contract for Moving Anti, but we have an artist called Knox that we've, we've put in all the money that was given to me into him. Mm -hmm. And then I've got my personal label, which is Zephron Records, mm -hmm. which is where all the new artists are gonna come through. So your last project, 16, was released through Island Records. You yeah. had a run over there as well. A lot of people were very happy to see you finally signed to the major. <laughs> How would you kind of break down that experience for you, man? Having that big budget, that big machine behind you. A lot of champions of this UK music don't get that. You know what I'm saying? How was it for you? I think Ireland gave me a really good introduction to that. Mm -hmm. Because a, a lot of people, they get mad at labels because they don't understand the situation. Mm. And I was a bit uh, scared actually to be signed because I've always been my own boss. Mm -hmm. But Ireland, they just, they just let me do what I needed to do. And if they, if they didn't like, like they didn't want certain songs to come out, but I did. And because I pushed for it, they let it come out, but it was never like a fight. It was more like, are you sure? And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, are you sure? And then the third time it's like, I'm sure. And they're like, okay, it's up to you. Do mm. you know what I mean? Like they gave me an amazing introduction. So you're saying they gave you creative control? Creative control, they let me go in the office and understand how the business works, darkest 
mentored me for a bit, like twin mentored me. It was just a great experience. I felt like I was heard and seen mm-hmm. and like the bits I didn't know, they filled me in on. So you feel like you got everything out of that situation that you wanted? No, I don't think I got everything out of it because it was the first time I'd been in that situation. Mm-hmm. If I was to go back into a mainstream structure, I'd do it differently. Mm. So what advice do you have for, we're, we're covering a lot of stuff early in the yeah. conversation, but you know, artists that are similar to you that come from the underground, right. um, that are thinking about signing to a major, what is some advice through your experience that you feel like you would give to them to sort of get the most out of being signed to a major and to prosper? I would say two things, because money is a big deal. Obviously people need money to, to feel motivated to do other things, like we all need to live. Mm-hmm. So I would say, Depending on how popular you are and your records are will depend on how much percentage you can get. Mm-hmm. Forget about the advance. It's really about the percentage because mm-hmm. usually they'll give you an 18%, but you can actually ask for a 50-50. Mm. And joint venture. the second thing, not even a joint venture, a joint venture Just is something a split, different. You mean a split. Just a split is like mm-hmm. 50. The record label gets 50, mm-hmm. you get 50. Mm. Then... I would say always, whatever the percentage is, whether it's 18% or 50%, always ask for a net receipt still. So a net receipt still is, if the label gives me 100 grand and spend 100 grand, I'm 200 grand in the hole, mm. they have to make back their 200 grand first mm-hmm. and then whatever percentages get split. Because mm. the way the music industry works now, that 200 grand that I'm in the hole with doesn't get paid off from the 100%, it gets paid off from your 18% some valuable advice man hopefully you new artists took that in you know what i'm saying guess what sk vibe maker interviews are hotter the nails in the building how about that all in yellow today like yellow swagged out little burberry thing going on and that came in my green if i knew you was gonna do yellow i might have done yellow too yeah but it's a complimentary thing isn't it I hear that I don't, I don't know about yellow and green you think yeah yeah yellow yeah. and green can run straight up say no more plus i got a bit of red as well so just Swag lessons today. Mm. I feel like the last conversation we had, there was like some slight swag lessons in there as well. Okay. <laughs> yep. You know what? I've been giving a bit of like guidance today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait. Do you have like a, a, a stylist? I don't have a style. I style myself. Style yourself. Yeah. But I, I just know what I like. Mm-hmm. Filling the grill. The grill's in there as well, right? Thanks. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, when you're so deep in this, this, well, with anything, but the music industry can be a monster. Yeah. You're looking at around 20 years that you've been here, 21, out here. 21. That's what I'm saying, with people being able to hear your music, back to my philosophy and those early mm. days. How do you stay hungry and motivated? I just really like making music. Not to be like short with it, but mm. I really enjoy making music. As long as I can do that, I'm always going to want to be like, oh, I like this style of music. I'd like to see if I can make it. Because mm-hmm. I, I listen to music first. I'm, I'm a listener first. And then if I'm like, if I feel like I'm a part of a culture, like I need to be going to the raves and raving with the people and going blah, blah, when a tune comes on, mm-hmm. like, like everyone else is. So that rave experience is very important for you. Yeah. And then once I've got mm-hmm. that, then I know, okay, this is what I should be making mm-hmm. because I enjoy, I'm already enjoying this you see party hard i feel like that was a very important song in your career in this uk music i put out a tweet one time a few years back saying that song's like triple platinum in the streets people (laughs) love that tweet man like a lot of feedback came from that tweet um how would you describe that part of your career around 2007 funky house party hard the impact of the song and even making the song um 
I think I was I was growing up with Funky. Mm. I was actually becoming the man I wanted to be mm-hmm. at that period, and I was independent and I enjoyed it. I knew who I was and what I wanted to achieve, mm-hmm. and all the music came from enjoying life and then trying to put that in the song. Mm-hmm. Do you remember writing it? Do you remember the creation process? So party hard. All of my songs are stories that I'm actually going through. Mm-hmm. So Devil in a Blue Dress is basically the story of me understanding how people are mm-hmm. and understanding different personalities and knowing how to assess that without from just looking at someone, mm-hmm. right? Then like party hard, the whole story was my journey from my house to the hill and then what we did in the hill. The hill, like North London, yeah, Muscle yeah, Hill, yeah. yeah? Devil in a Blue Dress and Party Hard, were bo- both songs were about the hill. Mm-hmm. When you made Party Hard, that song in particular, did you imagine that it would be such a culturally UK music defining song? Like nope. one of the top songs that like, like I, I say triple that. platinum in the streets, because obviously I feel like it never got the recognition sales wise. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I, but I, that song I, is like triple platinum in the streets at least. I never kind of predict what my hits are going to be. Mm. I just put out tunes I really like mm-hmm. and then hope for the best. Simple as that. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I was interviewing Post Malone in I think 2016. Yes. And we had a conversation. My and G. you came up in the conversation. Yeah. And he really sang your praise. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know each other? So you see when Post talks about that house that he, he stayed in his friend's closet and that, we all came, that like my whole run... Posts run, even Westerns run with Morgan mm-hmm. comes from that that story. So he stayed in a house in the UK. Nah, he's we were all in LA, mm-hmm. and um, his like friend a writing camp or something. Nah, his friend Jason was a gamer mm-hmm. that was making loads of money. He rented out a, a a mansion. Post was his best friend. He moved in. Then there was a bunch of other artists that moved in. Then I was invited to move in, mm-hmm. and then we were all just like making music all the time. And Post used to just like sit there and he never was singing before mm-hmm. me and first we have the same mentor so when we went into the studio it was automatic straight, straight away because we had similar ways of working and post would sit in on the sessions and learn certain things in that straight so would you take some sort of credit in teaching him how to get harmonious to i sing? didn't i didn't teach him he more like he more saw what i was doing and naturally took to it was inspired maybe yeah i didn't i didn't like teaching because I didn't even know he was like we he was just in the studio I didn't even know he was Before soaking he stuff was, up and then mm-hmm. then I hear why Iverson and I'm like you're singing now yeah mm. and then when when I then then I go back to LA and I see his process I'm like oh mm-hmm. shit that's me in first process so you never like sort of stayed in contact or yeah of course they're, they're yeah. my guys him Dre London mm-hmm. a song maybe a collaboration yeah maybe mm-hmm because I feel like when I spoke to him, he spoke about maybe mimicking your process of where you go in the studio and you kind of harmonise and mumble before yeah, yeah, you fill yeah, the yeah, words yeah. into yeah, making yeah, the song. Yeah. Is that how it still gets down in yeah, the studio yeah, process yeah. and the song making Most creation? of the time, I mean, I'm in a good mood wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. I'm in a good mood. I had the melody and the words already in my head before I put it down. Mm-hmm. I asked Terry to sing it. And usually, if I'm, and she nailed it first time. Usually when I have the melody and the idea in my head, it, it doesn't come out well. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of go back to it. Mm-hmm. This was like a one-off straight away. I said, sing it like this. I'm in a good mood. And then she just did it. And I was like, yep. That's it. So you wrote, did you write the whole song? No, no, no. I just I just wrote parts of the melody and then Terry wrote everything else. And that was the making of it. Yeah. Guess what? 
SK Vibe making interviews are hotter. Something interesting I've been speaking to a lot of artists about recently is the numbers game. Yeah. How the numbers are sort of promoted by the labels, the managers, the PR, yeah. and everything like some of these mediums will have you believe that because a song's doing big numbers, it's the best thing since sliced bread and it's better than all of the songs that are doing lesser numbers. So what's, in your opinion, do you feel like there's a correlation between songs with big numbers and how good a song is? Sometimes, yeah. I think most of the time, yeah. Most of the time you do, yeah? yeah? I think like, if a song's excellent, people are gonna rinse the song. Like me and my friend were talking about, you know that song that goes, um, then I was high. Ooh, get the dinner, dinner. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if you take away the, the, the comedic value of that, that was actually a great song. You're talking about mean? the old school song, yeah? Yeah. Afrojack, is it? No, is not Afrojack. It was a, um, I can't remember what his name was, mm-hmm. but like, well, it might have been Afrojack, actually. No, Afrojack's. No, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember. Because I get high. Yeah, Afro Man. Afro Man, that's it. So, like, sometimes or most of the time like say oh i want to dance with somebody whitney if whitney was to release that today it would sell through the roof because mm-hmm. the song and the delivery is excellent mm-hmm. so there is something to be said for the correlation yeah there is a correlation between putting effort into a song and a song doing well I'm not going to lie, I'm surprised in your response because I feel like a lot of artists that maybe share the same opinion to you more say that it's down to sort of the the budget behind a song. Like, you know, like you with there being a big... A <sighs> I mean, a lot, all, all a lot of songs are going viral through TikTok Yeah, all, Yeah, but all you can and, do... And that virality isn't maybe as organic as, as it was before. No, no. Not to be like, not, not to cut you off, but... You can't, you can't, all of these TikTok moments and whatnot, they're a response to things. Mm-hmm. They're like the second situation. Mm-hmm. The first bit of, of it is, is making the record. Mm-hmm. Then after you make the record, if you've got loads of money, you can showcase the record to loads of people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got a smaller budget, it's less. If you've got no budget, it's less. And then once you've showcased it to the public, then the public go, we like this, we're going to do this, 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 and this with it. So the correlation between a song that does high numbers and how good a song is, you feel like all good songs do big numbers. So therefore, songs that don't do not big all numbers, good, not, not most, all good. most, you said. Most. So therefore, songs that don't do big numbers, most of them aren't good then. It's not that most of them aren't good. Maybe they haven't been exposed to people. Or maybe like, like say for instance, Rover. Rover didn't blow up straight away. Mm-hmm. It took time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of good songs that go under the the, the thing, but under I think I think what people what people don't realize is like the song was already good, and what what some record labels are really good at is showcasing it to a wider range of people. But they know who to showcase it to. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that I had a like on Facebook, I had like four or five thousand fans that just liked Funky. Mm-hmm. So of course, Devil in a Blue Dress was gonna do well because i had five thousand people that i could just mail to mm-hmm. that were li- like the same thing i liked mm-hmm. so you just thought it was as simple as that yes yeah, it's, it's always as simple as that it's like you can't make a record and go oh this is how you promote it what, you, what really you're supposed to do is put the record out test it if you haven't got the money promote it for at least 12 months mm-hmm. you know what i mean because you can build momentum up over time mm-hmm. if you do have the money 
you know, learn about Google ads, learn about Facebook marketing, mm -hmm. learn about Instagram ads mm -hmm. and showcase it because you, you, you can target people, but you don't predict that the song's going to do well. Just, mm -hmm. just showcase it to, to as many people as you can. So let me ask you this then. Mm. What's your opinion on artists that blow up through the TikTok platform that haven't maybe had a hit before, but they have some kind of song that sticks on TikTok and blows up through TikTok? Because a lot of people maybe they sort of argue about the credibility of a song because it blows up through TikTok. What's your opinion on the so-called TikTok artist? When I made Bounce, everyone thought I was corny. Like even Rewind was like, this is the worst song we've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Then when I made Funky, everyone was like, oh, this guy's consistent. Like, and then Rewind, the, the guy who wrote the bad report, I remember I was leaving Rewind and he ran up to me and he goes, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what you was then. Mm -hmm. Bounce is one of the best songs ever. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think when a song blows up on TikTok, like say for instance, Doja Cat, mm -hmm. how Doja Cat blew up was, through that Moo song. Everyone thought she was a joke. Mm -hmm. No one thinks she's a joke now though. <laughs> For real. You get me? Mm -hmm. Because she's been consistent. It's like, oh, there was talent there. She was just fed up and was like, you look, I'm putting out banging songs. Mm -hmm. You're not listening. So, so hey. what's your point is maybe that like blowing up through TikTok is just a move. It's a move and it depends on the artist because it depends on the artist how people view you. But what about if the artist can't sort of deliver afterwards? They can't follow up. Like, obviously, what you're mentioning with yourself, you had the follow-up. Doja had the follow-up. But if an artist can't follow up, then they're definitely called a TikTok artist and maybe a one people, wonder. yeah, sort of, but then a, a arguing lot of, about their credibility okay. is justified. But then I find, right, in the music industry, I don't know about many other industries, mm -hmm. egos are massive. Mm -hmm. Now, me and you can go in the studio, right, and God can touch you and say, yo, today's your day to make a hit. Really? Right? Yeah, that can happen. Like he can just go, yep, everything you're going to do today, people are going to resonate to. Mm -hmm. But you didn't learn the process to do that. Mm -hmm. So when the song blows up now, you think you're all that in a bag of chips, mm -hmm. not realizing, I don't even know how I made this song. Mm -hmm. Do you understand where I'm coming from? And a lot, of, a lot of people that blow up and are one hit wonders, it's not that they're not capable of um, making another hit. It's one, they don't know the process and two, they're not humble enough to ask for help. Straight up. And I think the, the second one is, is the real killer. Like not, not being not, humble enough, not to being asked, humble enough to ask for help and not being humble enough that when you're challenged, at least think about it. Do you know how many artists I've had arguments with? I, I don't even argue with artists anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, at least think like you've just put out a song. I've been putting that song for 22 years. You, you probably make music because of me, <laughs> but you're arguing with me. Mm -hmm. And then I realize it's like, you can't, you can't help everyone and you shouldn't force your help on mm. anyone. Can't save the world, man. Yeah. You, all mm. you can do again is showcase. And then the ones that will listen will listen. But I think not asking for help and not humbling yourself to be challenged because really, look, when you think about it, everyone talks badly about the music industry in regards to like exploitation and stuff like that. But think about it. Your manager doesn't want you to make a wax song. Mm -hmm. The label don't want you to make a wax song because they want to make big shit. They want to make money. But maybe they want to make money, but at the cost of maybe not the best, what's good for the artist though. So that's where the exploitation comes in. Yeah, but then that's, that's for you to have strength in yourself and say, no, when people are like, oh, I'm difficult to work with. 
I'm not difficult to work with. Or maybe I am difficult to work with for you. So maybe we shouldn't work together. <laughs> and it's a gift like that you've told me that. So now that I understand, we shouldn't work together because you find me difficult to work with. But I think putting your, 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 your feet into maybe the shoes of a new artist, you're fortunate enough to have this wisdom. Whereas the new artist... I was like this when I started. Maybe you're in the, the minority, but a I'm lot of artists, I'm definitely you know I'm in saying? the minority. A lot of artists don't have that wisdom and their managers definitely don't have that wisdom because more time the manager ain't even a manager with expertise. The manager's just someone that's their friend. But we could get into a whole conversation about but that. But then if you're not humble enough to say, you know what, I, I've got aspirations to be a manager, but I don't have the experience, but you're not humble enough to find a mentor, whose fault is that? Yeah, straight up. If you're, if you're a new artist and you've just written a massive hit, but you've never written a banger before, mm-hmm. right? And you don't make a banger after that because you didn't ask for help. Whose mm-hmm. fault is that? Straight up. A lot of questions. You've got, you got, you got to take accountability for your life mm-hmm. if you really want to succeed. Mm-hmm. Sorry to be aggressive, but, but, I, but I believe we in love that. it. Like you've got to look at yourself and be self-aware because when you look at yourself, there's a lot of ugliness there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of beauty, but it's the ugliness people don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And the ugliness might have been, you was an idiot that day. You could have asked for help that day. Uh, you wasn't polite to that person that day. You know what? You're not eating correctly. Mm-hmm. I know all the labels going on. Oh, you're, you're putting on weight and you're pissed. Like, oh, don't. Expl- <laughs> but really, you, do you feel good when when you get up every day and your ankles are bust up mm-hmm. because it's been dealing with weight from yesterday? For real. Whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. You chose to eat oh, eat those things. Mm-hmm. So you got to be accountable for yourself. Accountability. Yeah. So they're making a good mood. Yes. With Terry Walker. Yes. I hear stories about she was your first vocal coach. Yes. At like 12, 13 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first and only vocal coach. I had two, but she, she, the other one I had kind of taught me how to breathe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Terry taught me how to use my voice. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about the making of this song, man, because, you know, I don't think many people saw, saw it coming when they hear the story behind it. It's expected, but if you hear the story behind it, it, you'd see how people should have seen it coming. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I just wanted to feel good about the music I was making because I wasn't enjoying the music industry because mm-hmm. I was so in the industry side of it. It kind of killed off my passion for it. Mm-hmm. So when I got back into the studio, I started making "She Belongs to the Night." I was like, I want to go back to the underground and I want to go back to making myself feel good. Mm-hmm. Every tune me and Terry's ever made. Loves me, angel sings, all bangers. Mm-hmm. All the, I've never made a whack tune with Terry mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. So I thought, and she's like my friend. She's like my older sister, in it. Mm-hmm. So I feel comfortable around her, and we make bangers. I just want to feel good about the next record I make. I don't care what it does. I just want to feel good, mm-hmm. and that's how that came about. What is your take on the current state of where? this UK music is at at the moment. It's gone through like loads of seasons. Many people say it's in the best state they've ever been. Some of the naysayers say that it's, the artists aren't taking enough risks and maybe are not hitting the, the, the heights, heights of where it can go to. What's your take on it, man? I think the artists are way, way better than we was. There's way, there's way more and, and much better homed in artists. I think the period we're going through now is We've, we've had this already mm-hmm. and now the public are like, can we have something else now? Because mm-hmm. we've had all of these scenes and everything that goes up comes down. So everything has a peak, everything, mm-hmm. right? And what I love about this younger generation is they don't kill off their scenes like our generation did. Mm-hmm. So all of these scenes ain't going to die. They're just going to float for a bit until someone comes up with something innovative. Mm-hmm. And I think the period now, this period now, 
people are starting to they like either either the artists that are already there are starting to look for different avenues to make music or the younger lot are just doing what they're doing naturally and they'll come up with something new mm-hmm. but we're just going through a like it it will change, but you, you you can't it can't be you can't be firing from all cylinders all the time. Straight up, you got to recharge, innit? And I think we're going through a recharge stage. You collaborating with Defected Records, yes, a label in the UK which has a rich history. How did that happen, man? I've worked with Defected before, so we already kind of had a relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I put out, I'm in a good mood, Melvo who runs The Remedy, who's a subsidiary of Defected, mm-hmm. contacted me. I think, no, he contacted me, but I didn't see the message until later because, you know, you got your DMs and then you got the hidden DMs. The hidden and DMs from the people you know, that you don't follow. Not even that, yeah. <laughs> but then there's there's a third one. There's a hidden DMs and then there's a further hidden one. Oh, man, I don't look that far, man. Yeah, so when, when you see the hidden DMs, there's a message at the bottom that says hidden DMs again and then there's a number. Straight. Melvo was in there. Uh-huh. So Simon messaged me on Twitter because we've yeah. always followed each other and wished each other the happy big birthday and stuff like that. Mm. And he was like, look, Melvo's brought in, I'm in a good mood, can we have a meeting about it? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, cool. And it was just that easy. It was like a week and a half. And if you saw the DM before, this could have happened earlier, possibly. Possibly, but I think everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think like I was meant to, because I, I don't really take to people. Like, I think I was meant to, I was meant to meet Melvo because mm-hmm. I really like Melvo. I think like... I relate to him. Do you know what I mean? And I wouldn't have got that by messaging. I would have been Straight. a bit more you had to meet him in person. distant. Whereas mm. with Simon, he's like the uncle, isn't it? Like, so whether you're happy with him or unhappy with him, he's your uncle. Mm-hmm. You've got to respond. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if you're a man of respect and you respect your elders, you've got to respond no For matter real. what's happened kind mm-hmm. of thing. You've achieved so much, man. You say that you're still hungry. Mm. The next couple of years, man, what's the ambition? Next five, 10 years, uh, I want to blow up other artists. I just want to like, I'm not really um, massively into blowing myself up at the moment. I've mm-hmm. kind of got what I want mm-hmm. out of my career. So you feel like you're passing the baton on now? Yeah, basically. I've got what I want out of it mm-hmm. now. I can make music for the rest of my life and never get a job again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, and I get to make the music I want to make. Like, I'm in a good mood. I made it. I put it out. They signed it. It wasn't like someone... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's all I ever wanted. I just wanted to make music I like and make a living from it. Straight up. So I've got that now. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do more than that. Mm-hmm. But Sounds good, man. I also have enough knowledge and experience to help kids who do want to do more than that. Do you know what I mean? Like, some, some of the conversations I'm having with the artists I'm working with is like... Who would you go on interviews with? Oh, I wouldn't go on this person, but what do you want? Oh, I want to be famous. Well, this person suits you. Mm-hmm. So you need to go and do that. Like mm-hmm. all of my artists, I ask them to get jobs so that they're not focused on money. Mm-hmm. They're always focused on how good the music is. And mm-hmm. they're not like, oh, I need this to blow. No, get a job. Like three of my, three, some of the older artists already have jobs. Mm-hmm. But some of the younger ones, luckily for me, they've listened and they've all gone and got jobs. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, man. Yeah. They say my interviews are hotter. SK Vibe Maker in conversation with Danielle. It's been another Definitely big one, man. Definitely more enjoyable. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much. Thank you very much, D. No, I love G. Don't know, man. Guess what? SK Vibe Maker interviews are hot.